Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to That Was Pretty Scary early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. What's up, everybody? It's your co-host, Freddie Prinz Jr. With me, as always, is your other co-host, Mr. John Lee Brody. And this is That Was Pretty Scary. John, good day to you, sir. We record these on Thursdays, so how's your Thursday going so far? Well, this is a great way to start off our Thursday, our Thursday morning, so I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. I guess I could, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Hey, everybody's got something to complain about. Well, this is going to be a day today. I didn't get a whole bunch of sleep. One of my kids is sick. The other one is sick and tired of school. (laughs) <laughs> my wife wasn't having it from either of them. So I was the one that, that was having to have it with them today. It was one of those where she's like, you deal with them. But yeah, man, other than that, I am healthy, happy. For whatever reason, the sun is completely in my eyes today. Look at that shadow. So I'm blind, but I'm ready to do Hellraiser. John, Hellraiser, let's go. Here comes the movie guy voice. Right out of the gates, let's go. A woman discovers the newly resurrected, partially formed body of her brother-in-law. She starts killing for him to revitalize his body so he can escape the demonic beings that are pursuing him after he escaped their sadistic underworld. Hellraiser. IMDb. Mm. I'm not saying you blew it. But you damn near blew it. I mean, it's right on the cusp of, it, why is it so long? Why does it have it to was, be so long? And you don't even those, say uh, it's her lover, your brother, it's her lover. And I get it, it's her brother-in-law, but it's her lover. That makes it sexier and more colorful. You guys, come on, man. Tired of these sorry ones. Tired. Of, if I was, if I was Clive, I would be, if I was Pinhead, I would haunt, I would haunt your dreams, IMDB. I would haunt them take little pins out of my face and poke you with them. Sorry, John. I just get a little frustrated because I I know that you and I could write these in like two seconds and they'd be 10 times better. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely was not a home run. It was like technically a base hit, but one of those because it was like an out of play error on the other team. So it was acceptable. Like, (laughs) sure, we got They're like, oh, he overthrew the first baseman. I guess you're safe. The ball's out of play. Okay, well, he gets to advance the second because of the weird rule. Like that, that's, that's how they got here. It's, uh, it's very, yeah, I don't, that paragraph Look, was like I'm, one I'm, long sentence. I'm in a bit of a, I'm in a bit of a frustrated mood. So maybe it hit me different. The sun is in my eyes, you know, so yeah. maybe I'm a little grumpy, but that one just got me a little fired up. That said, it's Halloween ish time still. Ooh. We're in the month of October. We're doing some great old school and a, not, that old of school, but oldish school. But this one, John, mm-hmm. hits hard, dude. And I'm going to admit some things and confess some things on the podcast that I've never confessed before. Uh, I'm going to be very vulnerable with you people. It's going to hurt, 
but I think it's necessary and I think it's time. It'll be therapeutic. What in the name of God's good green earth, if you don't believe in God, what in the name of the earth made you, compelled you to choose this horrific, horrifying, hellish film, John? Well, actually, it was you that suggested this one, and we both No, I did. I couldn't have. You No, you did, because we were debating what was going to be our third movie in October, and um, we were just throwing out there, and I believe our producer was in on this, too, and we landed on Hellraiser, so it wasn't 100% me, but when I heard Hellraiser, I said, oh, yes, so the reason I said, oh, yes, is because it's been a long time since I've seen the original. That's been the beauty of our pod. It's been great revisiting stuff. So that was my motivation. It's like to be able to watch it through a different lens. But it was definitely a group decision. But I, I certainly didn't deny it or uh, refuse to watch Hellraiser, if you will. I'm ashamed of myself. I don't know why I would pick this movie. So I'm the jerk that suggested this. I, I have no idea how the word Hellraiser even came out of my mouth. When I first saw this movie, what year was this? 87, John? 87, yeah. Okay, so 87, I saw it when it came out on video a year later. So I'm 12 years old, and I feel like I have a lot of experience with horror movies. I feel like I don't get scared as much as I get excited. I feel all these things, but none of these things end up being true. This is the very first movie that I ever tapped out on where I had to leave the room in the middle of the scene. It was just too, it was too much. And it's that damn hallway monster. Oh, I I hate even thinking about it. Why did I suggest this film? Good Lord. And I didn't see the movie through the first time. It wasn't until it played at a drive-in when I was, I think maybe a sophomore in high school. I think I was a sophomore. And this girl, Tammy Stuber was a year older than your boy. Mm. And she was, took me out on a date. She had a Trans Am. It was awesome. And during the, when I knew that scene was coming up, I started smooching on her. So I didn't have to watch it and get scared at 16 or 15, whatever age. Hey, I was. man, smooching with so Tammy I'm, in a Trans Am. You were living the life. <laughs> she smoked too. I was like, yo, that's, I never oh. thought smoking was hot until I saw, I never have since, but until I saw her smoke, I was like, whoa. That's were, they like, were they like Marvel yeah, Reds? Even, did she have a white snake jacket too or something? No, I don't. She did wear like the white leather with the fringy stuff on it. So that's that's pretty white snake. But she was a cheerleader and I had no idea why she liked me. But she was awesome. Shout out to Tammy Stuber if you're out there. Love you, girl. You were awesome to me. Sorry for ratting you out that you, you were a smoker. <laughs> so any, anyway, John, I kind of hate you for agreeing to do this movie. But I hate myself more for suggesting it. And I'm glad we cleared that up. Right. By the way, shout out, to New World, <laughs> shout out to New World Pictures. I haven't, I don't know when they went under or when they were bought out. But I remember seeing that logo before so many movies that I mm-hmm. love. I couldn't name any of them right now, but I remember that logo and I associate it with movies that I loved. So shout out to them and whatever happened to them, I'm sure you can do a deep dive. Oh, dude, a deep dive on the destruction of, of, of New World Pictures. Yeah. That's depressing. A documentary on it because, you know, the, the crazy thing is, Freddie, we grew up in an era where there were so many different studio logos and intros. And now because it's truncated down to so many majors, like there's so few major studios, it's either Disney, it's Warner Brothers, it's Universal. That's pretty much now it. it's just a credit. Yeah, now it's a yeah. credit in the opening film. It's just letters. You know it's You don't get all... You get like maybe two, sometimes three, yeah. depending on if there were foreign producers on the on the movie. But yeah, man, I miss it. I miss like Canon Carl films. Or Orion. Ca- Carl Co. That was the old Rambo, right? That was yeah, Rambo. Yeah, Carl Co. Ca- and Carl Terminator Co. and all that stuff. Yeah. We shot, I know you did last summer, at the Carl Co. Studios in North Carolina. And I remember being really? like, oh, Rambo. Wait, <laughs> no, it didn't shoot here. And then be like, oh, they're just stages, whatever. Um, yeah, you should do a little doc on that. And you should do a doc on Mr. Clive Barker, a master of horror, made me tap out. That's That hurts to say. That's it. 
it's, I still have shame attached to it. I'm going to have to deal with these feelings eventually, maybe in therapy or something. Give me some time to avoid all the other topics that you have to discuss in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Hellraiser today. I wanted to talk about okay. your mother. Let's go Hellraiser. Let's go. Hellraiser. <laughs> let's let's side quest into Hellraiser and see if that brings <laughs> us back around. You know. So this movie opens up, and it's like it's got this like weird Indiana Jones feel to it, and you don't really get to see the faces of the people involved. You hear the voices and, and you see what it is they're speaking about. And you see two, two sets of hands, one that wants to take this box. And then one with some really dirty fingernails, just overly done dirty. So it's like, yes, this is a movie and not real life. <laughs> and you see this hand go through and, and he says, you know, like, take it. It's yours. It always was. <laughs> and you're like all right i'm gonna watch a horror movie and this box is bad and it lets you know that this evil rubik's cube is nothing to be trifled with and unfortunately for our protagonist and antagonist they both trifle with it and they both pay dearly for it and then the movie takes a crazy kind of turn and you get grossed out right away but this is this was something that i noticed as opposed to trick or treat or as opposed to uh, Jeepers Creepers, where I found the first act terrifying and the rest of the one was more excitement. This was the complete opposite for me. Mm -hmm. The final act of this movie is so horrific. It's mint. <laughs> it's brutal. It gets yeah. brutal. But the first two are exciting and like a dark, like, oh, you tell your mom, no, I don't like it, but you like it. And I know you like it. And that's for all of you. That's not for John. But yeah, man, the the movie goes into this weird sequence, and man, the special effects for the for the year it was are just so gross and awesome. It goes into this this dude opens this box, he solves the Rubik's cube. That's why I could never solve it. So I'm still here today, baby. Probably good. That's leave what it I'm unsolved. Saying. <laughs> you know, that's just that's what I'm saying. <laughs> So he does not leave it in the box, John. He does not take no. your advice. He opens he opens the box. And it opens this. This is what makes this movie so friggin' cool. It's not a supernatural. And it's not an alien. It's interdimensional horror. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. You hear that? Your dog knows. Spring is coming sooner than you think. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. <sighs> fleas are an itchy nuisance and can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMed's pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best flea and tick products for your pet. PetMeds offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com promo code PODCAST for 40% off your first auto ship order. He opens a dimension to another world and... 
he gets fish. If has it, if anyone's gone fishing with their their grandpa or their or their dad or something like that, they've hooked themselves with a fish hook right in the hand, and it freaking kills. It's a barbed hook. For those of you who don't know what that means, it means it goes in and it does not want to come out because there's a little reverse hook on the other end of it. It's so. I wrote, what did I write here? I wrote, it's so gross and beautiful. I loved it and hated it. I wanted to wash my hands, but I wanted to fight someone too. That was, that was how it made me feel. It was, they did such a great job with this, John. I don't know if you want to elaborate on it, but the hooks in the flesh actually caused me physical pain where like triggers in my hands or my neck were like, ah, like that's how much I hated it. If you want to jump on and elaborate on this, yeah. knock it out, dude. It was very Cronenberg-esque with that sort of body horror, but so quick, you know, like and like the, the way the skin looked as the hook was going in, I don't want to get to, because uh, even when I say it out loud, I'm going to have need to book a double session with my therapist next week, this episode <laughs> maybe. But a lot of confessions this a, week, John, a lot of confessions. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I'm going to let her know in advance. We're going to need two hours on Monday instead of the one. But it was... I could appreciate it for what it was. And also this being Clyde Barker's first feature film to come out of the gates with this. It was a lot of mystery. Like it's going from place to place. You don't know a whole lot. You're right. I thought Raiders of the Lost Ark as well. And also Gremlins when, you know, he, he's sure, in that mysterious yeah, sure. shop and he gets the Mogwai. We gotta I got to do Gremlins. glimpses of that for sure. But they're not telling you a whole lot. And all of a sudden this guy is just doing this thing and solving this very gnarly Rubik's cube. And then he's in upside down and you see hooks. I'm like, what is, what is happening? And I don't even have words for it, but it's cause it's been a nah, long it's time. It's just gross, bro. Yeah. It's just gross. So it, it cuts right away from this grotesque. Uh, it's like you said, Cronenberg as music video looking sequence. And it goes right to a loving couple mm-hmm. moving into their new home. And we already know it's the same damn house where this went down. <laughs> like, you just know right away. And he's like, I'm trying. Well, maybe they changed the locks. She has a British wife, which we'll get into in some behind the yeah. scenes stuff with John later. An American husband, British wife. And the husband is like, Mr. Magoo, man. Not in the sense that he was blind, but in the way Jim Carrey said it in Liar Liar when he described Carrey Elway's character who Magoo. was taking his son, <laughs> I know. basically. And that's, he's the nerdiest, dirt, like, Watch this movie for his sweater game because the sweater game is top nerd level, like high class, like Revenge of the Nerds level dork. And you know who you're reminding the, me of? Who? Who? You know that character actor John Michael Higgins? He was in Best in Show. He was in The Breakup. If you saw him, Andrew Robinson. Who, who was Larry, he in, has, in Best in Show? I forget the name of his character, but he, he wasn't. He was one of the um, pet parents, obviously, because that's what it's about. But if you look up John Michael Higgins, it's like, he looks like a Bobby Flay. Wait, is he like John hosting Mc- a game show right now? I think he's hosting a game show also. He might be. Is he, he like has the gay kind of one, game super energy. funny? Yeah, so he was Jennifer I know Aniston's who he is, brother he's in The Breakup. Great. Yeah, a great character I actor. I The Breakup. I, I watch Wait, horror movies. Okay. But I, I do watch <laughs> Christopher Guest movies, and I know exactly who he is, and he's freaking genius. He's super funny, and I think he's hosting a game show right now. It probably because he has that energy and the Andrew Robinson to play Larry has, he had that kind of vibe. Not that they're the same actor and juxtaposed him like as Bobby a total Flay. dork though. I saw him as a total, he looks like Bobby Flay for sure. Yeah. But as far as like his performance, he, he plays it and he does this deliberately for something you'll, you find out later. He is the least heroic, least masculine, like, this character would never fly in a Korean horror film because the men are very old school there and they play their men in the most masculine form possible from the films that you've shared with me. This dude would never fly there. The the first note he would get is, hey man, you better shape up or ship out, Jack. But this is a deliberate thing here and it's, I think the character that Clive's trying to create and the character that this guy becomes are so opposite that there has to be a lot of work with that lead actor and with Clive beforehand to really nail this down. Sometimes actors don't want to play someone so meek or so impish. Sometimes they get really excited to show that side off. 
But you never know with an actor's ego where they're at in their life, what they're going through, if you're going to be able to access that part of them. It gets accessed in this big time to the point where you're like, yo, why would that girl be with that guy? Well, we find out Mm -hmm. because as they're exploring the house, she goes into one of the rooms and he keeps talking about his brother, Frank. And Frank's do anything for money. He doesn't care. Blah, 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 blah. You can tell they don't really like each other. And she doesn't say anything when he talks about her brother. She goes up in the room she's exploring and she finds this old box and it's got photos in it and it's photos of, of Frank and like with women and doing like sexy, sexy stuff. And it's, you see it get her hot and this movie changes direction at this point and becomes this dark seated love story, forbidden love story between this woman and her husband's brother. And she can't help it because Frank is dangerous and that's what she, that's what attracts her to him. And she's, she's one of those girls that wants the motorcycle bad boy. And the nice guy mm. was like, well, what about me? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor nice guys. And so motorcycle Frank is like, he doesn't respect his brother. He doesn't respect this marriage. He doesn't respect her. He just takes what he wants. He's that kind of a guy, piece of crap. And they have this like, in flashback, this intense love affair that really changes the tone of the film. It's so British, John. It's it's so British that I almost want you to explain why it feels so British right now instead of at the end, if you could. Oh, why it's so Brit? Well, I don't know. Well, because it was filmed in the UK and the majority. So anyone watches this movie, you, you might notice something feels a little off with maybe some of the performances. And the uh, the majority of the cast were British. And apparently, I guess the studio thought they wanted to appeal to more of an American audience. So a lot of the British performances were dubbed with American accents, including Frank, as as we move on, including the boyfriend, who we'll, we'll talk about later with uh, the boyfriend of Ashley yeah, Lawrence's man. character. And it's very, I remember we were texting on the group t- thread before this. I would love to see the British version of this, just the full on Bridgerton. That's right. <laughs> Downton Abbey That's right. version like of Hellraiser. Like, everybody wants the Snyder cut. Like, I want the British cut. The of British Hellraiser. cut. As I listen, I watched the Spanish Dracula. I thought that that stuff was fire. <laughs> so I'm totally down with the British Hellraiser. I'm just going to put it out there. Side quest if you have not watched, if you have DVD, awesome. I don't know if you can do it on Netflix. I'm sure you can. But if you do the Spanish dub on Chucky, or not not Chucky, on Child's Play, it is one of the most hysterical comedies you will ever watch in your life. The voice of Spanish Chucky is friggin' hysterical. It is one of the greatest dubs. I don't know if they meant it to be funny, but it changes the entire film. <laughs> like, the film is a full-blown, it's like Kindergarten Cop. It's hysterical, <laughs> and I highly recommend it, whether you speak Spanish or not. Just fast forward to the parts where Chucky is not having it and you will die laughing. I love it so much. And I hope you guys do too. Let's continue. Yes. <laughs> this is going to be, a I know it seems this is what we're doing. We're going to side quest a lot because of the, the trauma that scary. this movie induces from people. <laughs> so now we meet the daughter and she's played by John. Tell us who she's played by. The lovely Ashley Lawrence. So shout out to Ashley Lawrence. I had a crush on this girl. Like, you can't believe, John. It was what made me keep watching the movie, even when it started to get a little scary. And I hated tapping out and not being the hero that she needed in the hallway <laughs> scene. <laughs> but I had such a crush on this girl, man. It was, I was 12. And so that was when all my crushes were happening. I was like, oh, my gosh, who is that? And I was totally in love with her. So if you're still out there, Ashley, know that 12-year-old Freddie really dug you. <laughs> And I'm glad that you lived. Spoiler. Anyway, so we meet her and we see what kind of daughter she is. And she's a daddy's girl through and through. She lost her mom. So she's real tight with her dad. They have this phone call where she's very independent and she doesn't really like the new wife. And she's just got a room that you never get to see. By the way, something else I noticed, you don't see a single vehicle in the entire film. There's not a car. There's not a single shot of a single car. And you know how I love my cars in movies. It's not a car in the whole movie, not even parked, not a single vehicle. It's crazy. <laughs> Maybe it's a British thing. I don't know. 
Shout out to Clive Barker just, making uh, a movie with no cars. <laughs> and they, they ran out of money. It's like they got to pick between, are we two special effects or we got a car? Oh, I'm going to have special effects then. You know, maybe it was that. I don't know. Now, once we meet the daughter and we establish the relationship, then we get into exactly what kind of relationship this woman had with Frank. And you really start to see the story unfold. Like they're talking about running away. They have this like crazy sex scene. I don't know what kind of a movie I'm watching at this point. Is this a horror film? Is it just a dark thriller? Like what's going on? But everything about it feels wrong in the right way. Like you're, you're not liking the people that you're not supposed to like. You're liking the people you're supposed to like. And so everything's played out as you would expect. Here's where it starts to get crazy. There's a dinner scene, which gave me weird, creepy Beetlejuice vibes mm. with everyone's attitude there. I'm waiting for shrimp hands to come out and grab their faces. By the way, spoiler. Oh, no, I can't spoil. Ah, sure, I can. Should I spoil what Sarah and I are going to be for Halloween? Well, I, I mean, guess I just did. Y- y- you might as well, because we're like a week out. Beetlejuice so and Lydia. Beetlejuice and Lydia, baby. Yeah, man. I always look forward to your Halloween costume. Bring the horror to Halloween. Oh, thank you, thank you. When when you two do that, I'm always like, oh, what's it going to be this year? My favorite so far. It's not. It's ninety percent Sarah, ten percent me. What was your favorite one? You said (laughs) so far when you were Doc Brown and Marty McFly. That was my favorite (laughs) of the past five years because because your caption because you were wearing this Doc Brown wig. You said I didn't even need a a wig. wig. (laughs) It was great though. Such a such a bad wig, bro. I loved it. Wait, do you see the Beetlejuice wig? It's so I can't, bad. I can't wait. You're gonna love wait. it. I'm it's so bad. It's so I don't even know if it's gonna fit right. So it'll look even worse, which is great. And that movie but Black yeah. Dynamite, when his afro's on backwards, you'll just just do what you can. I with haven't it. seen Black Dynamite. <laughs> oh, really? The only scary movies then, and kids' <laughs> movies. All right, so there we have the Beetlejuice dinner, and the wife she can't really contribute anything. Because she's having all these like crazy flashbacks of cheating on her man with his brother, the sick mm. Jerry Springer about to be a guest on Mari Povich type human. So she says, oh, please excuse me. He's like, are you all right? She's like, oh, no, I'm just not feeling right. And she goes upstairs. She's drawn to this room. She goes into this dark, spooky room. There's rats. And she's looking around and all of a sudden we get our first like jump scare in the movie and this hand reaches out. Oh, I forgot a scene that's important during, while they're moving in the nice, the super nice guy, the dad, he cuts his hand like gnarly, really bad, like a deep, huge gash from a nail while they're moving a bed upstairs with these lazy movers. And he goes, he's, he gets faint from blood. He can't stand the sight of blood. He's this, he's this kind of guy like, Hey, Oh my gosh. Hey, this could be a great place to live. Ow. Yeah. My hand. Like he's that dude. Right. And he runs upstairs to find his wife and he's like, you got to deal with that. I can't deal with it. I'm going to faint. You're not going to faint. No, I'm going to, I'm going to faint. You're not going to faint. And a ton of blood is pouring out of this wound. She says, Oh, you're going to need stitches. Come on, let's go. And you see blood all over the floor. And they did this awesome effect in friggin' 1987, or they made it probably in 85, 86, where the blood just vanishes. And I don't know if John, John, do you even know how they did it? Yeah. 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 That's a, oh, that's a me, great tell old me, school practical effect. Cause I said, tell me. Cause you remember my buddy Grover? He was my VFX supervisor for a of while. Of course. And so we would always toy around with that stuff because we love mixing practical with VFX and, the way you would do this effect where blood's dropping to the ground and kind of being absorbed into the floor was you poke holes in these floorboards and then you would just kind of shoot the blood up and then you would just reverse the footage and post. So that's oh, just how they did it. Did it did feel was, a little reversed. Yeah. yeah now that you say that's that, all it I was. can see it. Oh, that's so, so cool. It's a great old school trick. and hocus pocus, but that's pretty cool too. I mean, that, the, the Clive, then the Clyde Barker documentary becomes that much more interesting if that was the case. So who knows? <laughs> I mean, there you go. And also shout out to Bob Keen, who is the special effects designer. And he also did the Candyman effects. You know, he's a Ooh. he's a staple of a lot of those old school horror movies. Yeah, which Candyman would be a great one for us to talk about at some point. Candyman too. would. Cabrini Green, dude. Absolutely. I'm yeah. all in on that. Candyman, a perfect example of keep my name out your mouth and we will not have beef. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so here's where the dub starts to come in. And at this point in 2023, whatever year it is, you can tell. And it is going to take you out of the moment. But I honestly think it's going to take you out of the moment in a really charming, kind of funny way. The way we've we've laughed but loved some moments in other horror films. Because all of a sudden, this hand that comes out and grabs her is connected to a, a half a corpse that has a head and a mouth. And it screams, Julia! <laughs> I, I didn't jump out of my seat from fear. I stood up and went, no way. There's no way I tapped out on this movie. There's no way. There, it's that's That can't happen. And then she looks down and he, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Clive. Clive loves these types of voices in movies. He did it in, in the mouth of madness with that. I have so much wisdom. I want to give yeah. it's the same guy. I feel like he's like, don't look at me, Julia. I'm disgusting. And he is, <laughs> he's totally disgusting. And he has a full, and this half corpse with a head and a mouth is like breaking it down for Julia, the, the wife on like what happened. And she's like, what? Oh God. And he's like, listen, the blood, the blood brought, brought me back i'm frank can't you see it's me and he looks by the way he looks amazing like yeah. the the mask they put on the sliminess the shininess all of it just looks amazing but the dub is the dub makes it man because you can't be scared when you're smiling and you're going to be smiling this whole scene go ahead no i, I was just agreeing with you with the whole thing you can't leave me like this you have to i was like man this the Shakespearean corpse is very like uh, manipulative. Which you, like, <laughs> you, know, you can't real. leave me the like Shakespeare. <laughs> the Shakespearean corpse. <laughs> he is man. It's like Greek threat. You have to heal me, and she's like, "Of course, I can't abandon you," because like it's like Stockholm syndrome or oh something that she's got God. with this guy, even when he's half of a corpse. To me, this world is nothing more but a foul. And he's just doing Hamlet in the middle of the scene. Now is the winter of discontent. <laughs> Maybe that should have been your movie that's guy voice for today. Keeper, that's, bro, that's some Crip Keeper shit right there, man. That's so money. Oh, oh my God. All right. Oh, you're and so that's ridiculous. our show, everybody. No I can't point. believe you said I can't believe you said Shakespearean claims. I'm gonna have asthma attack. <laughs> that's our new mer our new merch idea. Will be Shakespearean corpse. We gotta sell like for Halloween those giant 16 foot skeletons. We're gonna sell some posed like like <laughs> freaking Hamlet that are like this. The hand is out like Horatio. <laughs> I knew the well. <laughs> holding another skull in his hand because <laughs> no one's thought of that before so anyway you get this amazing scene with the shakespearean corpse and julia who plays it super legit man she she did a great job in this film or in this movie like very david bowie oh, 80s hair, of hair on, you know dude. what i mean like but she looks 80s hot. hair was legit great. baby yeah 80s hair was legit i had this like side spike in 88 man oh it was so cool now it wouldn't really play but back then, man, I thought I was looking clean. Jack. All right. So now we get to go back to the daughter and we get to see the next dubbed character, which is the boyfriend. And this one is in a different place than the, the Frank voice. This one takes you out of it and not so much in the, in the good way. Fortunately, Ashley does a great by the way, plays a great drunk. Like her drunk walk is money. And we get to see a little bit of this person that's stalking her that we, that we don't really know why. But her boyfriend is Magoo, just like her dad, like straight up Magoo. His hair is not good. Her hair is great, by the way, but his hair is rough. It's like an uncommitted mullet. Like he wanted to do the mullet, but it's not there yet. And he got scared. And so he just trimmed it. Like that's it's not it's not good. It's the opposite. He just has a mole. <laughs> he doesn't have the full mole. Yeah, exactly. Mole. <laughs> He's got the mole. And we get away from their relationship, and we get back to the important part, the main, the A storyline in this movie. Frank has explained that the blood that dropped from Larry's hand 
is what brought him back, and he needs blood and flesh to become whole again. I need blood and flesh to become whole again. It's it's so good, you guys. And the only way to do that is to kill. Is excuse my language, I'm gonna curse, but is to kill a motherfucker. So that's what Joan does, man. She starts going out and she starts seducing men, and she becomes the straight up black friggin' widow. And she brings them back to her house, gets a ball peen hammer, and hammers the hell out of these dudes until they're dead. And then Frank consumes their organs and their eyeballs and their their everything. And he starts like Jeepers Creepers, starts reforming and, and getting these powers and abilities. She doesn't do it once. She doesn't do it twice. She doesn't want to necessarily keep doing it, but she's in love with Frank and the, and the fantasy that, that if she does complete this, he'll come back whole again and her lover and him can run away. And he tells her they have to run away because of, and it's the first time we hear this name in the whole franchise. So it's important. The Cenobites or wait. I almost said cinephiles, but that's another podcast that my man Amin does. Shout out to their podcast too, the cinephiles. But it's the first time we hear that. And he doesn't explain too much that we, we, we get to save that for the third act, which is crazy patient, by the way. Like, yeah, next level patient to hold off Pinhead for that long. Pinhead who becomes the stable of the franchise and you don't even see him. It's just, that's such a gangster move. Today, you'd never be able, the first note from the studios, we have to see him right away so we know who the bad guy is. Everybody needs to know who they're supposed to be scared of. Like, well, you ever never heard of the boogeyman? Because I've never seen him. I was pretty freaking scared. Anyway, so she's now on a clock because eventually these characters, these, these Cenobites are going to find him and take him back to this other dimension. So she is now a motivated Black Widow, and the killing gets easier, I would say. John, what would you say? <laughs> I think she just starts enjoying it. And that's the, that was the cool thing about Claire Higgins' performance as Julia, was she started out as this very put-together British woman. And then you see her hesitantly do this thing for Frank, someone that she's she feels she's in love with. But then towards the middle of these kills you start to see very similar to uh max and uh, needful things sitting by the fire just kind of like very satisfied like hmm yeah i kind of i kind of like this and the facial gestures that claire did that's obviously something i didn't catch on to when i was younger because i don't know to look out for those little nuances and details and performances but that was one of the coolest parts in the movie for me to see her face change and she's like yeah i'm into this so i think yeah she just it started to almost become like chasing a drug high like she just couldn't wait for the next kill. I like but that also thinking that, yeah. yeah, and also thinking that this is what's going to bring the love of her life back, and they can have their life together, sort of thing. Hell of a motivation, yeah. <laughs> so it's that was the cool thing about it. That was I really enjoy the performances in this because on the surface you see, you know, it's Pinhead, you know, it's this, but some really cool performances came out of this as well. You know. So we're an hour into this film, and. We still don't know who the main bad guy is. We think we do, but we don't. And we get into the final 30 minutes of this movie. And this is where the film really started to screw with my head and, and scare the, the hell out of me. And it's a conversation the dad has with his daughter. He says, hey, could you give her another chance or give her a chance? Give Joan a chance. Everybody needs to give Joan a chance. She's just misunderstood. You know, she needs a friend. She's not leaving the house. Something's wrong with her. I don't know what it is, but I think she just doesn't want to be here. She doesn't know anybody. She's like, yeah, daddy, I'll, I'll do it. Thank you, sweetheart. And they have the, the perfect relationship. And so she heads over to the house and she sees Joan leading one of these men, these strangers into the house. And we see Joan turn over her shoulder and look sus suspiciously. Make sure nobody's watching, but our girl is watching and she's in the bushes. I don't know why she chose to walk through the bushes to get to the house that day, but it was good that she did. British so thing, she, apparently. Uh, I don't know. It's a British thing. <laughs> she made some other British choices in this movie I disagreed with. Stay in the room, Ashley. Stay in the room. <laughs> anyway, she witnesses what she knows is an affair. Anybody with half a brain would know. And so she's going downstairs to find out. And this is where all hell breaks loose. She gets, she gets in the house. She demands to know what's going on. 
Joan is going to basically let her, and she goes into the room where Frank is, a corpse Frank. And he's less a corpse now. He looks more like my dude from Thinner at the end of Thinner. Mm. And shout out to Tom you know Holland. What I'm saying? The Tom Holland movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it always comes back to Tom Holland. So I'm a father of what? I got to find a babysitter. I found care.com and I was blown away. Through the platform, I was able to find local and experienced candidates along with their reviews and rates, which were way more affordable than I anticipated. Care.com really put me at ease knowing that they were all required to go through a background check. If you're like me and you need to find someone reliable for your childcare necessities, check out care.com. Find the ideal sitters for your childcare needs. When you get HubSpot Sales Hub, it's like getting a new teammate. An efficient, organized, helpful teammate who's also super easy to work with. The kind of teammate who reduces everyone else's busy work with a new prospecting workspace. A teammate who keeps the entire team focused and on track with easy-to-use deal management tools. A teammate who won't jockey for your promotion or microwave leftover shrimp scampi in the break room. Learn how you can close deals faster and crush your revenue goals with Sales Hub at HubSpot.com sales. Not Always. handsome British Tom Holland, our director of Lovely Child's Play and, and Fright Night. Who is and also writer handsome. of Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. So anyway, we see Frank and he's gross and horrible and nasty. And he's like, oh, you look so beautiful. And it's just ugh, all kinds of ugh. and she's running away from him and she grabs the, the Rubik's Cube, the cursed Rubik's Cube. And he's like, put that down. And she's like, no, I'm not putting it down. He's like, you put that down right now. And I love the voice so much. And she's like, you want it? Yes, I want it. And go get it. <laughs> no. She, she throws it out of the window and he screams. She runs and hauls ass out of the house, takes the Rubik's Cube with her <laughs> and hauls ass away. John, what? You, I know you love the scene. What do you want to say about it? I just love it. She's like, you want it? You take it. And throws it out the window. And then she runs out of the house and picks it up herself. <laughs> just Yo, starts running. This is, these are these British choices I've been trying to tell people about. You have to watch out for them. And the way um, that Frank looks in this scene is very, you know, like in anatomy class, whatever, you see like the the human body and stuff like that. Like, I, I guess yeah, that's what they're totally. going for. But it also looked like. Remember the episode of Batman animated series when Clayface, of course, I know you remember this, when he had to wear that suit to keep him intact. It was like the yeah. bad version of that. You know, like the clay was all <laughs> messed up and stuff like that. That's what it like. That's where my brain went uh, when I saw the it. Bottom line, the dude looked gross and awesome. And awesome. And I, we loved it. <laughs> so our girl, Ashley, who I still have a crush on and I'm sad that I didn't save. She's running for her life. She's messing with the box and she w passes out. These people rescue her and she wakes up in a hospital. And this dude that looks like a real skinny Lionel Richie plays the doctor. And you'll see when you watch the movie, like imagine if like Lionel Richie was mad skinny, mad skinny. And you'd be like, yo, that's Lionel Richie. Um, she wakes up. She doesn't know where she is. She just knows she needs to warn her dad. And, uh, the doctor says, do you, do you remember anything? No. Well, do you remember this box? No. Well, I'll leave it here. <laughs> Jerk doctor. Uh, another, another British choice. I'll leave it here and maybe it'll jog your memory. Our young lady starts playing with the box again and it opens this hallway of death, this, <laughs> this hallway. And John at the drive-in, when this scene happened, I heard and Tammy heard from another car a dude yell, bitch, don't go down the hallway <laughs> while, we're, while we're watching this movie. All right. It was, I think, my first experience of black people yelling at the movie theater. I've since seen it a hundred times and I live mm -hmm. for it. When I lived in New York, I would only go to watch movies at this theater that was mainly black, black dudes and uh, and their dates for for that night. And. This, the shit people would say, I, it was me. I even saw Red Corner with Richard Gere in a theater. And at one point, this guy goes, man, this movie's bullshit. And everybody just <laughs> started booing as if as if you think the actors could hear them somehow. And people just started filing out the theater. I was like, yo, this is 
the greatest movie ever. That guy just made me laugh harder than I have in so long. But I digress. It opens this hallway, and she starts walking down the hallway, and it goes on forever. And this, John, is where we see the hallway monster. And once again, I'm going to tap out and defer to you and let you describe what this thing looks like and what it does because I'm finished. (laughs) Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you use the word with this thing. I felt like that's an appropriate word because I got very thing-esque vibe from it, a very Rob Botton sort of special effects sort of vibe with the face of this thing, this really gruesome looking face where my mind went, and this is what we were talking about before uh, we started recording, the, one of the movies I tapped out on when I was a kid was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I know that may sound funny to some of you, but there's a scene in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids where they're in a Lego, this Lego that's giant because they're small, and this scorpion comes to them and starts to try to kill them while they're in this Lego. And that's where my mind went with this because this this thing, which was just the juxtaposition of a lot of scary crap that would just scare the shit out of you, is like it kind of looked like a scorpion, but it also had the face of the thing in the thing and it was just all like somebody was having too much fun with this like this like pile of Play-Doh they had that they could use to turn into something evil. <laughs> it does look like Play-Doh. Speaking of Play-Doh, um, you know, or if you're uh, the kid who said that's being taken to basket robins and put together what kind of whatever kind of Sunday you want, and they do, when you're a kid you put everything in. That's what this creature felt like. It's like nothing was. Yeah, off it looks like there's two different people. It looks like there's two different people, one that's walking it and the other that's like doing the arms in the front. Like it's so (laughs) mishmash, like the kid from Toy Story that like redid all the toys and put an arm from this guy. Like it looks (laughs) gross. (laughs) Yeah. Sid, the evil kid. It looks gross. And effective. This whole scene was very, very effective. Still held up the way that Ashley's running towards screen and then the things after her, the whole, the, way out seems so far away sort of thing. Yeah, very yeah the hallway kept getting well, longer. Yeah, the very poltergeist, you know, when the door keeps on going further away, that's what it felt like to me. But this, the way that Clive utilized this creature, it was just enough. Maybe for some, I think might be too much, but very, very effective editing and directing and putting it all together because this scene, I'll, I'll, it holds up in terms, if no one's ever yeah, seen 100%. this movie before, this will scare you. This This will legitimately shock you and scare you. You might tap out too and just know there's no shame because you would not be alone in that. Oh, regard. there's, there's shame, John. It's just shared <laughs> shame. But, but we deal, we, we can have a shared trauma bond with our listeners. That's right. Over the hallway monster. So she escapes the hallway monster and the motivation for Ashley is save my dad. Meanwhile, her dad's heading home. Frank needs a body. He's afraid the Cenobites are going to, are going to take him pretty soon. And he's right. And we meet the, the Cinnabites in the hospital. We do. She she meets yeah. them. Yeah. And they're going to kill her. And she says, look, please don't. I the, the man who escaped you, Frank, he Coulter, I think is his name. Frank Coulter, he escaped. He did not escape. No, he yeah. did. And I, and I can I can tell you where he is. And they're like, you know, she's trying to strike a deal. And she gets a maybe out of Pinhead. It's the first time we get to see Pinhead and he's so epic and mm-hmm. perfect. And I, I just, this is like one of the greatest monsters in franchise horror. Like he's so epic that he became the franchise after this movie. He, the, the, the entire franchise changed. The way they told the stories changed. He was, he was a much more prominent driving force within it even even through the rough ones yeah, um, you know what was what's cool about pinhead go. when you compare him to the michael myers and the freddy kruegers of the of uh, the horror universes not that they're one note but they're very they're not intelligent they're just like i'm about to kill you and that's it i'm straightforward he was like a yep. well-spoken dude who's very worldly just knows what's going on just so like put together you never really saw that in a horror movie when it comes to like people, like especially slasher figures, it's they're killers or this, but when they speak, it's very minimal. If, if anything, and to have someone like pinhead, who's so like the, you more demons to some angels to others, like to speak. So like yeah. intelligently, 
I thought that was a very, very bold choice for Clive to make, you know, for a horror film. And he will rip your soul apart. <laughs> the three the the three Cenobites reminded me of the three villains in Superman. Like he pinheads like General Zod, <laughs> the bigger dude who uh, they call I think they call him Butterball. <laughs> they call him Butterball Cenobite. Yeah, Butterball. I didn't make this up. Yeah. Or, and no, so that's he's like non. Yeah, he's like non yeah. the big dude in Superman, th- and then the female then one, the she's one. like Ursa. Yeah, yeah. So it was very Superman. They got a, Superman they got a fourth one Jonas. that doesn't do anything. The chatter one, the chatter <laughs> yeah. Cenobite. Um, so anyway, she has motivation to save her father. She runs back. Meanwhile, the father has gone back, and he's now being seduced by the wife to be the next victim. And we just have to make sure Ashley gets there in time. So she gets there. Jonah's at the door, and she's like, "I want to see my dad." She's like, of course, dear. Yes, he's upstairs. And she runs upstairs and she goes to see her father. Joan follows her in and she sees her dad and he's a little bloodied up, but he's okay. He takes a drink of scotch. He's he's dressed, he's sweaty, but there's blood around his hairline. Like it looks like he's been in a bad fight. Or if you already know what's happened, you know that Frank has basically replaced Larry and put the skin on his face and it's bonded and starting to seal and the little seal is gross and kind of drippy it's it's so nasty to look at but you'll love it she's starting to figure out that like something's not right here and she wants to see the body and she goes up and she goes to see the body and it's just this like rotted corpse like what frank looked like the first time we saw him she starts oh and then the sin the friggin' cinnabites start to come back and now they want the person that did this. And she doesn't understand. She still thinks that her dad is her dad. And we want the person who did this to this body. And she's like, no, that's my dad. And she runs downstairs. And this is where this actor who has played, what's his name, John? What? Andrew Robinson. Andrew and, Robinson. Andrew Rob- this is where Andrew Robinson really turns it on, man. And every ounce of that Magoo, dorky, <laughs> Mr. Rogers sweater wearing, like just loser. Like even there's a love scene in this movie, and he even makes love like a dork. Like everything about him is just dorky, and so all of that is now stripped away and gone. And this guy is cool hand loop. Like he's just smooth, cold. Nothing phases him, and we realize, holy crap, it's Frank because he starts saying some of the things Frank said to to Ashley in the scenes earlier. She keys in on it. She freaks out. She's stuck in the house. She's had a fight with Joan. Put the elbow on Joan. Wah-pow! Take that, girl. Runs upstairs. She's trying to hide, do her thing. She gets up there. He gets up there. There's a whole... I don't want to spoil everything, so I'm going to give you the fast-forward version, and I, I'm also looking at the time. But, but basically, she's fighting for her life. The Cenobites are about to come. She's hiding from from Frank in this room. This body falls out. Maggots come out of the mouth. She stays quiet and cool. And then she leaves the room. You stay hidden, girl. You let Frank go in the other room. You let the Cenobites come, kill him. You get out. Everything's cool. But no, she comes out of the room. Frank gets his hands on her. They swing and crash and tumble into the room where the Cenobites are going to come. He's going to kill her. And all of a sudden, the lights start... He's like, what the hell is this? I feel like he should have figured it out sooner, but he did not. And all of a sudden, they start coming out of the shadows, each Cenobite, each Cenobite. He's like, you bitch, you set me up. Doesn't sound very dorky, does it? Because it's Frank. And she's stuck at the door. He goes to stab her with this sick switchblade. I wish I had a switchblade this cool in real life, man. It's such a cool knife. They didn't have a cool car, but they had a sweet switchblade. And he's about to stab her with it. And all of a sudden, this fish hook, just not a fish hook, but a hook, a fish hook, that wouldn't stop it. A big ass hook shoots from the ceiling or from the shadows, I should say, right in his hand. And the knife drops right between her feet. And then another hook. And then another. No, it's only two in the beginning. And he gets pulled back. And this is where Pinhead lets him know that the game is up. He ain't escaping from shit. You know, our girl's going to get away, or you think. And. It gets really gross, really, really fast. And his face starts getting torn apart. It's really disgusting, man. And they tell her, they're like, yo, get out of here. The, the Cenobites are like, you ain't, you're not meant to see this. 
take a hike and she stays for a little bit, but she leaves right before his body just splits in half and basically explodes. And that's the end, right? No, it's not. She goes downstairs and the chick Cinnabite's like, yo, we're not, we're not done with you. And she has this sort of epic fight with her and the evil Rubik's cube and the power of this cube can kind of send them back to their dimension one at a time. And she's able to do it. She's, she's the protagonist of the film. It turns out. And she shuts down everybody and her boyfriend comes to, to see what's wrong. Cause he knows something's going, he went to the hospital where she's not there. I think she went home. Okay. So he's been running home this whole, or driving in a car that doesn't exist back to the house the whole time. He gets in, let's get out of here. They see the big fat one, the big fat Cenobite, but logs fall on him. And then here comes John Scorpion monster one more time in the doorway, almost like a Beetlejuice moment where they open the door and it's going to yeah. be the sandworm universe. And he comes into the door and they're fighting and the hand fighting is awesome in this. It just cuts to like the mutant hand and her hands fighting over the evil Rubik's cube. And it's really, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to say something stupid right now. It won't be the first or the last. It's the best hand fighting scene I've ever seen. Like it was so good to see this little like silly putty hand and this human hand argue over this Rubik's cube. But she it was like the it, ultimate. Uh, <laughs> it was like the ultimate slapper battle. Like if you play GoldenEye, when you do slappers only, it was like the good yeah, of that. exactly. But hand versus hand, not hand on yeah. body. So she gets the the evil Rubik's cube, sends him, zaps the scorpion monster or hallway monster, whatever he was credited. And he gets sent back to whatever dimension they live in. Sonomia, we'll call it. And she and her boyfriend take the cube and everything else in this house. And they're going to burn it. And there's all, I don't know why they didn't do just one fire. They, they set everything out to really light the scene well, I guess. So there's like yeah. little fires all over. And she throws the box in the fire and backs away from it. And everything's going to be cool. And then we see that guy. That was kind of stalking her and her boyfriend earlier. And we see him one in one other scene in the movie. And he looks like a hillbilly. He's like tall, gaunt, got a long beard and mustache that isn't trimmed or sculpted in any way. Looks homeless. And he walks up and he puts his hand right in the fire. This is a great burn job, by the way, by the stuntman. Um, puts his hand right in the fire, lights up right away, takes the box, and then has a few seconds of burn before we cut to some other shots of, of reactions. And then the flesh melts off and this is all i'm not making this up and he becomes the demon from the golden child at the end <laughs> it looks exactly mm -hmm. the same and he takes the box and he flies away and we fly away and and then clive does this cool shot whereas he flies away it dissolves to this tiny image of the evil rubik's box of ashley and her boyfriend that got dubbed unfortunately and we see them in the boxes there. And it's that same scene, basically, that we see from the beginning of the movie um, with the same dealer there. Like, so what is it you desire in a very evil voice? And that's Hellraiser. John, what are your final thought or thoughts on this fine piece of cinema? So many. But um, I like how they wrapped it up. And I liked how it shows that this cycle can start again, leaving it open for sequels. Smart way to go. The creature is known as, I believe, an Aramite. So the they're the guardians of the puzzle boxes. And they disguise themselves among us. And then the Bacinobites are the ones that are like the guardians of the gate sort of thing. And what I really, what stood out to me about this, watching it through the lens of us hosting a horror podcast and kind of breaking it down, was a lot of religious undertones but clive wasn't beating you over the head with it he just had that as like a layer to what else like this can represent and i thought it was really clever to do that and i thought he showed a lot of restraint and patience is a great word too in terms of telling the story because you're, you're totally right before when frank's talking about the cinnabites the note now would be we, he has to explain at that moment you maybe got to cut away to some sort of explanation sure. of what the cinnabites are you know, and the fact that we don't and we're learning about this stuff in real time with these characters, I thought just that's really good storytelling. And that's what made it effective. And that was the payoff once we see these Cenobites and see what they're all about. And still at the end of this movie, we still don't know a whole lot about them, which um, leaves us. We don't want more, but at the same time, we want to know more with our morbid curiosity.
So those are kind of my final well, maybe we'll get, final thoughts. Maybe we'll get Hellraiser 2 in season two. But now, John, it is time yes. for you to draw out your hooks and throw them down and let the people know how much you love Hellraiser. As much as I love, love this. Yes, so... Watching this again was a real treat. I love the 80s aesthetics, the New World Pictures thing. That brought a smile to my face because I got a lot of memories tied to that movie logo. And uh, the performances, you know, watch Andrew Robinson, Claire Higgins, Ashley Lawrence, watch their arc throughout this movie. And, and Andrew especially, when he goes from how he started, how he ended, and also Claire uh, Higgins as Julia, how she started, how she ended, and just the practical effects. I'm a sucker for all of that. So with that all being said, I'm going to take all those gruesome hooks from the pinheads dimension and lay out four great gruesome hooks for Hellraiser. I could not agree more. It is 100% four hooks for me. One, it gets a hook just out of respect for making me tap out and the rest of it just because it's an awesome movie. And like you said, it was Clive's first and as a first effort, that's uh, far from a worst effort. I, I will definitely say that. I love this movie. I hope you guys love it too. John, tell the people what film we're going to be covering next week, if you please. Absolutely. To wrap up our spooky season, our month of October, people have been asking us about this movie. We are going to be delivering. We are going back to 1978, everybody, and bringing you John Carpenter's Halloween. So get ready. I think that is the perfect film to end the month. I have the perfect co-host named John Lee Brody. And on behalf of him, I'm Freddie Prinze Jr. And this was That Was Pretty Scary. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to That Was Pretty Scary early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.